Hello. I am <laughs> sitting at a park after a meditation in Boulder, Colorado. I have a front row seat to the flat irons, an open field in front of me, warm coffee because I finally got my big girl van life pants on and invested in an AeroPress. I know, I know, anyone listening would know that I have shamelessly, shamelessly accepted coffee gifts from my fellow travelers for the last year and a half. But it was time to grow up. And more so. <laughs> I mean, I was coming from, I have a little tea thing, the little tea, loose leaf tea steeper. I was putting coffee grounds in that to steep my coffee. This is how desperate and shitty my coffee making was for the last year and a half. And I had this running joke. I thought it was cute. You know, thought I was so cute that I was somehow able to siphon and leech coffee off of people for the last year and a half from anyone that I was traveling with. And you know what? No shame. And I've had some really amazing cups of coffee at you know at the hands of my travel fellow travelers. Like some people just love it and we're good at it. And I was like, whatever, Starbucks instant coffee for seven dollars at Target gets the hit. And then I, you know, buy cups of coffee everywhere I went at coffee shops anyways. But for those beautiful mountain mornings where the nearest coffee shop is 30 minutes away or more gosh it feels good to be able to make myself a cup of coffee and yes save the money I've probably already saved money from having an AeroPress that's not what we're here to talk about (laughs) we are here to talk about a couple things actually that I want to update all one and a half of you listeners out there about and that is today is the first time in maybe a decade gosh maybe a decade that I wished my mother happy birthday I turned 31 on Saturday so two days ago, and my mother and I almost share a birthday, August 8th, which is today. And she wished me a happy birthday on the 6th, and I said, thank you, my gosh. And I, before my meditation, reached out and sent her a happy birthday. And this is on the back end, or the front end, or the the progress end of beginning to cultivate a relationship with my mother after the long (laughs) 15 years since she left the family when I was 14 that we did not have a relationship and so how did I get there (laughs) how did I get here to be you know giggling about wishing my mother happy birthday I I want to say it was something that was easy or that made a lot of sense and I read a book or I listened to a podcast and I was like, "Mm, yeah, that's it. That's the way I want to 
reestablish a relationship with my primary caregiver who abused me when I was four into my teens and then ultimately left the family. It has, it takes as long as it takes. And that's a, you know, cheesy answer, but, but it is. And I, I like to sit with that answer now because that's how I feel about a lot of different things that I've been healing from and working on traumatically and, and painfully. It takes as long as it takes is not a cop-out as much as it is an embracing of the present moment that you're I'm experiencing something painful. I don't rush feeling better anymore or rush feeling differently. I haven't, this has been a practice for a few years, this non-attachment practice of detaching from, you know, an outcome, a desired outcome. It's nice to have one in mind, (laughs) peace, harmony, coherence, nice relationships, some maybe sexy times, but I'm not attached to that outcome and, or I, I practice detaching from that outcome. And so how this applies to this relationship building situation with my mother is that it took as long as it took for me to practice that on myself outside of and, you know, maybe adjacent to the relationship with my mother. It doesn't matter who it is now. So if I'm working on it independently, this is, this is where I believe that inner, you know, inner peace obviously sounds that way, but also communication, solitude, confidence, self-esteem, effective boundaries. They have nothing to do with other people. And I've been saying this for a while, but you know, I continue to see it play out in my life and the life of my clients as they tell me how they practice it. Because my mother did what she did, says what she says, is who she is. And I, I think that she's great now. <laughs> but if I didn't think that she was great, what good does it do for me to speak to her, have a relationship with her. If I'm not going to be kind, if I'm not going to communicate, if I'm not going to embrace and accept who she is and what happened and and whatnot, then, you know, what business do I have having a relationship with her? And so the work that I've been doing independently of any person that's hurt me or any relationship that's felt strained is to identify what I have control over, my communication, my emotional regulation, my triggers, and she might, you know, if someone says something that I don't quite like, what am I going to do about it? And having worked on all of these things independently beginning to reach out starting with a text or uh hey not quite ready to talk on the phone but would you be up for that in the future I think that was actually how the first message with my mother went and then I I hadn't called her in I mean I'm talking years but 
um, the texting started maybe a month ago, a month ago, after, you know, little to zero communication over the last five years. And then, you know, her abandoning the family 10 years ago, or 15 years ago. So, so, and so this communication was incremental. It was small. It was a feel-out. It was an honest feel-out. Hey, touching base. Is this okay? How does that feel for you? And the work that I did on myself allowed me to be empathetic to how nervous she might be to be interacting with her estranged daughter. What she might be experiencing was anxiety over saying the wrong thing, pushing me away, a lifetime of her not getting her needs met and um, operating out of that place as well. Not, maybe not even knowing what her needs are because that's you know, generationally not something that she could ever even allow herself to experience or, or entertain that she has needs and wants and boundaries and preferences and whatnot. So, so then I started seeing how in the past I would be triggered and then button up, triggered and then button up. And that, that was all on me. <laughs> And so when I felt more comfortable with that maybe not happening, I reached out and the conversations were slow at first. And then they turned into a phone call while I was on my way to Colorado. And we chatted for like 40 minutes about life. I was kind of going through something really personal and contemplating needing to maybe end a pregnancy and my mother wasn't like the person that I was calling to talk about that but it was interesting that I it was what was on my mind and because of all the work that I had been doing on myself I was able to voice freely with her that it was something on my mind and have her listen and tell me that it's a really fucking big deal and that she became supportive because she's a person not because she's my mother and this is a huge huge thing for me as the middle child of a family um mentally emotionally and physically abused from as early as four that I can remember, you know, wooden spoon, belts, getting yelled at, uh, confu- nowhere to, nowhere to go. Like you're, a, I'm a little little person, a little human. So, for me to consider her supportive at 30, 30 years old. This is before I turned thirty one, but whatever, pushing thirty one. I see the potential for for that to be how I view all of my family. Um, My older sister has become supportive and beautiful and amazing despite tons, tons of sibling trauma, which I don't think is something, side note, I don't think that's something that people talk about enough. Sibling trauma. Siblings fuck you up. Um, And also with my dad. And I can look back and see that the same, and I've had relationship, a better relationship with my dad and my sister over the last year and a half or two years or so. Um, 
But I can see that the same pattern was followed. The work that I've been doing on myself to make it irrelevant how they presented what I was going to do about any of my triggers, any of my emotions being on the forefront of my mind did become the priority for me. And then I was able to experience and accept and communicate with my sister and my dad as people. And then found them very supportive, very beautiful uh, relationships. And now I'm unfolding this with my mother where she's a supportive human, a supportive person in my life um, from this phone call. And then we had about a two and a half hour phone call a couple weeks ago. And she, we just chatted with a capital C about lots of different perspectives that we have and opening the gate for her to also say things like I have no delusions or illusions about how I was as a parent or how I wasn't a very good parent and I've worked and wrestled on that and you know her own mental health and wellness was you know on the on the freaking edge and She's in her 30s when she had me, and this is in the 90s. So mental health awareness and therapy, the stigma was just, like, insane back then. I I don't know the history of it, but I, I can't even imagine. Because one thing that we did end up landing on is that she's taking care of herself now the same way that I'm taking care of myself, which indicates to me that before now... She didn't have the resources or the the wherewithal to be taking care of herself mentally, emotionally, relationally. And there's 30, 30 years-ish or more between us. And to me that provides a lot of a lot of empathy because gosh, I don't know if she would have done what she did at when I was 15, 14 had she been able to communicate better get mental health health or wellness help freely um instead of there being a stigma or or a ton of lack of support or if it was always inevitable and that makes me have a little bit of a reframer on my perspective of what happened it doesn't negate the trauma that I experience and the abandonment issues that I'm working on that's it just that is what it is because it did happen but with the lens of and gosh my mom is just a person that didn't have the resources and I don't know I don't know if it would have been different had she been able to communicate and take care of herself and go to therapy for post-traumatic stress from her childhood issues and her mother passing away that she didn't deal with very well and being the mother of three children and then you know my dad not a not a perfect dude you know made his mistakes too uh not being very supportive for one reason or another like god listening to her talk about that I was like I wish I wish I had known how to tell her to to paint her nails or take a break or read a book. I never saw my mother do any of that. So that's all to say, as a you know, an adult, I 
certainly don't think that parenting is an easy thing, if there's any parents listening out there, and that I used to carry around the attitude of, you know, the parent who left needs to eat shit. The parent who did the thing wrong needs to needs to eat it. And I see that that's pretty toxic <laughs> on my end. Um, not a whole lot of love or compassion or empathy on that side. And, you know, I can kind of copy and paste that attitude onto lots of different things. Um, the trauma that I experienced the last couple months of a friendship and a very, very deep, close friendship ending abruptly for me was a traumatic experience, and it, it really sent me down into the depths. And I can use with more clarity now this process of, and I have no idea, truly have no idea what, it, what that experience was like, and I might never know for the other, you know, the other person. And I can see any of the experiences with my relationships and lovers and friendships that have ended can can look the same or be the same interpretation um it doesn't I also want to say that it doesn't mean that I won't still take care of myself if I am triggered or or my mother says something or it it isn't healthy to talk to someone um that's also on me to regulate and identify and make communicative moves on and that is a sometimes day-by-day feel-out. And that's what I mean by the wherewithal to feel out. Like, is this, is this a thing that I want to do? Is this the best move for me? Uh, does this feel right in my body? Is this a person I need and want in my life? Because it's, it's a symbiotic relationship. They're there for me. I'm there for them. They don't drain my energy. We are additive and... and additive to each other's lives and so those are the metrics that I put any and all relationships in through now and some people it's not healthy to talk to anymore and I I would I hope that they feel the same way for me that they've made a decision of their own you know resolve and that's at the end of the day what what is so beautiful about our you know (laughs) semblance of free will and willpower is that we do get to choose the people we have around us because some days it's just like really is this is this what I have around me is this all there is people being shitty to each other and being mean and treating each other like trash on the street not even worth picking up just looking at and moving on and just discarding and um (laughs) and then some days you know, moving out of that place where I kind of felt that way, like I felt that way that I was discarded and I'm able to see kind of both sides play out a little bit more now where I'm like, well, I've also done that. And is that really how I want to do things in the future? If anything, this situation makes me, makes me want to be a better communicator, better person. (laughs) And communication is so much of, of being a person, right? (laughs) Um, which is kind of a perfect lead into what I want to talk about now, which is that I'm doing a communication detox. And so what that means to me and for me is kind of the same as any other type of detox, a, a bit of a fast. I'm, I'm not reaching out and 
going to be as connected as I have been for the next week, starting today. Um, and almost immediately, I see my addiction to connection and communication play out today as soon as I set this intention. I was on LinkedIn. I posted, which is nothing wrong with that. It's my business. So, you know, the communication detox is absolutely necessary. Um, running my business, I consider to be the water of doing like a, a fast. Like I'm still going to drink water. I'm still going to communicate. But the nature of the communication is way more intentional. And so I am aware of an addiction to being connected all the time through my phone through social media I'm not on Instagram anymore but LinkedIn for my business and texting good god I text I just have running conversations I think some of these conversations have been running conversations for years (laughs) some people I don't talk to for a year until I'm in the area and then and then we get together Some people I talk to every day, and it's unfathomable to not talk to them every day. And as a communication coach, I want to explore this addiction, this, this, and, and find what the absolute necessary connection to others for me is. I don't know if any of this is making sense or landing to anyone. It's kind of a kind of something that I, after a three-day fast, um, food fast, which was amazing for clarity when it's done with intention, of course. Um, but the clarity is the intention. I want clarity on who I absolutely adore talking to and why and who... I was talking to you out of habit and who I was doing all of the communication with that was what our relationship was because a big fear that I've had for years and years and years is that if I didn't do the reaching out I wouldn't hear from this person and I hate I hated that I hated coming to that over the last couple months while I was going through something really rough And so, excuse me, just burped. And so, this communication detox is who do I absolutely enjoy and feel blissful and coherent communicating with and why? What makes this something so special to me? Um, And, you know, right off the bat, there are people that I absolutely adore communicating with they make it easy they make it fun they make it coherent they make me feel amazing they receive me when I you know go out to make them seek out making them feel amazing affirming and loving and caring and nurturing and and feeling that nourishment back I'm so lucky to have that and I think that clarity of like even just the first couple hours of the day of this first day of the of the detox is making me like just so grateful just so fucking grateful for the people in my life um and grateful for myself for cultivating deep 
deep, truly, genuinely accepting and loving relationships in my life. You know, I always say that because, uh, or I, you know, I always say through communication and amazing relationships and inner peace and more symbiotic experiences and, and stuff. Um, and then sometimes I'm like, wait a minute, like, well, how does that present in my life so I can, you know, give examples? And, you know, my relation, my current relationships are a day-to-day lived example of how powerful communication, true introspective, inner communication, inner coherence, heart coherence, all can benefit on extreme levels relationships, um, because they can be a detriment on extreme levels to relationships. So, you, you know, you don't have to go very far to see that it's the opposite there. I'm not, I'm not really reaching. Um, <laughs> so, and, and also seeing how, you know, how I've played a role in really, really fucked up shitty communication and did a lot of damage to people. And that's, you know, shadow care right there of, identifying that that's a possibility at first maybe is the first step entertaining that for as long as need be and then when there is a trigger when there is a moment that doesn't feel super comfy identifying the makeup of that super uncomfiness it's totally a word so the communication detox is getting really in tune, getting my body, getting my soul, my spirit, my mind, my heart, my intuition, all kind of letting the dust settle on them about who's in my life right now and how I feel about them and how our communication uh, nourishes me or depletes me. So far, so good. <laughs> um, but... I will be, I'll be talking about it again next week um, because I'm not going to record another podcast in between because it's a communication detox. Um, but I, yeah, I can see my first initial notes on myself are that I got a lot to say and I'm not afraid to say it to new people, old, old relationships, um, a lot of gratitude, but but mostly starting this with a lot of gratitude uh, to the people that I am interactions with on a regular basis. There was something else I wanted to talk to you about. Hmm. What is it? What is it, Rachel? What is it? I can't remember. I kind of want to do a bit of a... <laughs> Uh, a Q&A. I want to know what you want to hear about on some level because I want more. I, I resisted doing a podcast for a really long time because I always wanted the interaction with people. But when I started traveling alone because of the situation in May, it became important to log... <laughs> in an audio journal type of way, my experiences of my life as I travel around solo and on my own. Um, and, you know, maybe as you can see, if you've been listening, is that some of these are musings, but I'm not very solo. 
I'm not alone very often, which is kind of a, a beautiful thing with the communication detox is that I am gearing myself and orienting myself towards being more alone and solitary uh, with with a lot of intention. It's what I've been craving for a long time, and I finally have found a way to accomplish it. I'm working on a couple books. Uh-uh. Um, and... <laughs> I I want to give myself to the world. There is a lot going on right now. I don't watch the news. I don't have Instagram. I follow some news articles here and there on on an app called Wired, which isn't actually out yet, so don't try and go look for it. But, you know, any kind of data collecting or news source of sorts that will present um, articles and information that I have interest in some YouTube here and there, but but mostly just keeping to myself, meditating a lot, reading a lot, a lot, a lot. I've recently picked up reading fantasy novels and reading fantasy novels has made me a better communicator and better writer. Okay. What I mean by that is fantasy novels paint they the right if it's a good novel the writer has to be an exceptional communicator orally and written they are getting what's in their mind a fantastical experience that they're having in their mind out onto paper and to do that requires ex- exceptionally explicit obvious communication words matched with and delivering language that embellishes the world that is inside of them. Oh my gosh, I could just go on and on and on about how reading fantasy novels. Um, I am currently reading a Sarah Moss uh, five-part series called A Court. It starts with A Court of Thorn and Roses. And my dear friend Emily recommended it because I... I had initially gone into it looking for escapism. Nothing wrong with a little escapism. But I don't have Netflix and I don't want to watch any shows and I don't want to watch any as many movies anymore. I don't want to be on my computer as much. I like books, but I don't want to read self-help or personal development or and I don't like nonfiction. So what does that leave me? <laughs> um, it leaves me with fan, uh, fiction. But I don't like just fiction. I... I wanted to be immersed in something, a, a new world, a different world. Um, and so I'm seeing myself articulating myself differently. I'm seeing myself write differently, more details, more, and not unnecessary details, I would say. I want to add that there because more details, somebody could be like, well, I, I overshare, I say everything and I still don't get to the bottom of what I'm trying to experience or uh, articulating my experience and that's why I say unnecessary detail or necessary details are what gets added to articulating (laughs) and building of a model of what your inner experience is and how others how that can present to others 
And I'm seeing that that is so capable of changing at any time that I want. This is so powerful about it. This is one of the benefits of journaling too, is that at any moment I can be different. At any moment I can change the way that I talk to someone, change the way that I talk to myself, write. I can change the way that I write. I can change the way that I read. And it really does echo the sentiment of you you are what you eat right you you are what you eat because it'll show on your body you you communicate the way that you consume communication or lack thereof um and so I'm seeing that I'm not worried about there being ums and pauses and likes and stuff and filler words in my communication because sometimes it is necessary to take that beat and whatever so fantasy novels filling my time and filling my mind with the intention of or the observation of that it's making me a better communicator by filling me with a way an option on what how to change my communication to make it more clear to make it more fun to make it more detailed uh, in the effort to give somebody a really clear idea of what my inner world is like and then have them receive that in a different and new and more embellished, clear way. So highly recommend fantasy novels. (laughs) Okay, so I've talked about my relationship with my mother, which I'll name supportive family later in life via communication my communication detox and my delightful delicious experience of fantasy novels improving my communication because when it's done right it can change everything I do believe that and I do believe that about communication and it's not that it doesn't get, it does, isn't right all the time, but it, the nature of and the intention of communication to be honest and fluid and open and coherent is all an inward, a completely subjective to your experience and solitary move. And when more people take it seriously, I think this is where I was going with that. Like, I'm not super touched in with the world right now because I think when more people take seriously the power of their inward experience and journey and communicating more fluidly, so much more can get done. Look at the amazing... I mean, I feel like they're amazing that I can say that I enjoy talking to everyone that I talk to on a regular basis. I have no problem being myself or articulating my needs and wants and feelings um, on any given day and that I've re-found a supportive network with my family later in life all through the power of my introspective approach to communication. So that is all to say all that I said. (laughs) Why do I say such ridiculous things like that? It is what it is, and you know that it is that way because of the way that it is. Yeah. Yeah. 
I am going to get to my delicious book now. I hope that you found something in this podcast episode of my musing helpful. I want to hear from you if you find yourself having questions or wanting to interact with me. But I will do it after the 15th. You can always email me at hello at yourspeccoach.com. That is also my website. If you've ever been interested in learning more about my journey to becoming a communication coach and how it's played out in different ways in my life, you can find in my blog where I write pretty extensively about how I apply it in my own life. I am a very money where your mouth is type of entrepreneur, which, you know, you'd hope that everyone is, but I feel like communication is one of those things that I can't hide from. I can't hide that I would be a bad communicator because my relationships would reflect that, especially my relationship with myself. So in the true introspective communication nature, it is from the inside out. I really hope that you enjoyed listening for the last 37 minutes. You are awesome if you're on here. I want to know who you are. I am always so curious. And I hope you're having a stellar day, morning, evening, month, year. And if I never hear from you, and if you never listen to another podcast episode again, I hope you have a stellar life. Bye.